2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Jada Dundalk and Cavan We have
0: amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range Low AP and zero deposit
2: packages available See blackstonemotors.ie
3: You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon lots of chat to come music and more besides over the next couple of hours we'll need you to join us in the show in a little while because I'm going to tell you myself, Louise and your. Are going to iron everything out I promise you We are Stay with us You'll need the numbers as well 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text us to the show 1857-15958 If you'd like to call in But I begin today With a man who's been with us A long, long time on this show And he's so reliable So dependent And I know people love him When he's on He's Professor uh, Paul Moyne a head of the Department of Biology Director of the Human Health Research Institute At Maynooth University Hello again Paul Hello,
1: uh, good afternoon, Jerry. good
3: to chat. And you as well. Look, since you were with us last week, a number of people have been on to me in person, by phone, by message to say, when Paul is on with you next Tuesday, Jared. Will you please come back to this topic with them? And of course, Paul, it is vaccinating 12 to 15-year-olds. And I just see uh, the latest information that 100,000 have registered already, which is a fantastic response. But there are a number of parents want you to go over this again because they are concerned. They've been vaccinated, I must say, these people, quite a number of them themselves. They had the first jab, most of the second jab, but they're worried for children of this age. They want to hear from you again.
1: Yes, first of all, the, the uptake has been very... Yeah, uh, strong very So I think that cohort. I think there were about 270 um, young adults adolescents uh, in the 12 to 17, or 12 to 15 age group. So of 100,000, that's still that's quite a good over 30%. Yes. Um. So basically, the up until now, when the trials were initially uh, performed, they were limited to adults, and that's not unusual. So. We tend to perform clinical trials in adults before moving in uh, to children. The uptake in the adult population has been really, really strong. It's been a fantastic success in terms of the rollout of vaccination programme. When it comes to children then, trials were performed. Two vaccines have been approved, one from Pfizer and one from Moderna. So they were approved by the uh, EMA in, in Europe. With respect to the uh, approval, uh, the benefit-to-risk ratio was considered Benefits. It is considered that the benefits outweigh the risks as defined by the European Medicines Agency. For those trials, the trials involved about one or 2,000 children, depending on, on the trial, and they were shown to be safe, to be effective, and to show uh, protection. Uh, the size of those trials, unfortunately, you can't pick up any rare side effects, but it had been noticed as part of the rollout in the uh, adult population. That there were some side effects associated with the RNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna. And this is one of inflammation of the heart. So myocarditis, or a milder version called pericarditis. Um, this seems to be more prevalent in younger people, especially in younger males. And it was first noted in Israel, in actually the Israeli army, and especially in young, very physically active, young, young males. So uh, when you look at that and you look at the prevalence of this side effect associated with the vaccine, it tends to increase with younger age. So it was quite notable in the 16 to 19 uh, age group. And if you look at young males in that age group, the frequency is about 1 in 16,000. When you look at the 12 to 15 age group, from the trials, it wasn't possible because the numbers were only in the 1 or 2,000. But it has been rolled out in the U.S. Uh, and in the US, in, in, like millions in that age group have been vaccinated. So one of the things I was keen to, uh, I, I guess in terms of maybe a little bit more cautious, in terms of would the frequency increase even more as you decrease in age? And again, we weren't completely sure if it's related to age or if it's just related to young men who are really physically physically fit. And hence the energy demands of the heart are very high. So, so far... I haven't seen sort of the formal data. I would have expected some safety signals could come out by now, Jerry. So if you look at these vaccines, when they give rise to this side effect, the side effect only usually manifests itself after the second dose. Mm. So the first dose is given, and then either three or four weeks later, the second dose is given. And if that side effect manifests, it probably manifests itself within the following one or two weeks now, the vaccine was rolled out in the US in significant numbers to that age group it's around late May, beginning of June. So I thought that by late July, you know, early August, we'd have good safety signals. So I'm still looking for those numbers. It'd be very useful to get the specific frequency in that age group. I think, I think it's somewhat reassuring that we're not hearing that the frequency certainly hasn't gone up. So, again, it's weighing that up. And if you look at it, it sort of split in terms of countries, some countries like Ireland, have offered this to parents and the, of children in this age group of all of them, but have heavily recommended its use and the use of the vaccine in those that have you know, underlying conditions and are particularly susceptible. Some other countries, like the UK, for example, have restricted it and have not offered it to all and, again, they've restricted it to the vulnerable uh, groups. So different countries have chosen different uh, you know, levels of restriction on it. I think at some point, I think it's moving towards a situation where if we don't hear of any worrying safety signals, especially coming from the US, I think that would certainly push it more in favour of that the benefits outweigh the risks. So that was my, that was my only comment at, the, at that time, Jerry. that in terms of with children, the bar has to be high. We have to be very cautious. So far, in terms of the vaccination rollout in adults, I think we've been like, extremely cautious, overly cautious in some cases with the rollout of some of the vaccines to some of the age groups and some of those decisions were reversed. Whereas with children, maybe I would expect probably to be a little bit more cautious. But so far, the uptake has been really good, really positive. Um, and again, I haven't seen any safety signals coming out in the last couple of uh, days that would suggest the frequency is much higher. But again, over the coming weeks, you know, it'd be interesting to watch out for that. Platform.
3: OK, and that will emerge, uh, obviously, with time. The sooner the better. But yep. on the whole, you'd be happy to say to proceed. But if you are worried in any way, would it be worth waiting a little bit longer? Well, what some
1: countries suggest suggested is actually go along with the first dose. With the first dose, yep. you certainly uh, get protection. Yes. And the other thing is that the first dose, Jerry, that gives you about a four-week Window, yeah, uh, to see if there's any, you know, news okay. or an increased frequency. So people who worried, especially those children, and NIAC has heavily recommended that children may be showing neurodevelopmental uh, conditions uh, that they definitely should be vaccinated. That's the heavy advice, and it should be offered to all others. So I think it's certainly moving towards a situation where people probably should. Be becoming more comfortable mm. with moving towards getting uh, their, their children vaccinated.
3: You know, people raise the issue of fertility, male and female, with young people looking down the road. You, you know, yeah. this is something that comes up. I'm sure you've heard it yourself. Yeah. And uh, you don't have any issues with that or don't see anything uh, to worry about there.
1: So when you look, so when I'm asked questions like that, Jerry. Because the vaccine has only been given out for a number of months, you know, less than than a year at this stage, it's impossible to predict in terms of long-term effects. However, what I would say is, if you look at the history of our vaccination programmes, and some vaccines have shown side effects, that's absolutely the case. But I think, without exception, those side effects have manifested themselves usually within six weeks of administration. Now, that doesn't mean that side effects disappear within six weeks that could go on for a long time period but the side effects tend to manifest itself in an acute time period subsequent to vaccination that's usually within a six-week program now we've been administering these over you know a matter of many 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 months we don't seem to see these signals coming off in terms of any concerns for example around fertility so i think that is We can't be 100% certain on all of these things, but certainly based on precedence in terms of what we know about side effects associated with previous vaccines, I think it's very positive the fact that we haven't seen any of these signals arising within the first six weeks.
3: Now, I was I reading somewhere, or maybe I'm a little blurred on this, that the mRNA vaccine types are the ones that we are going ahead with in Ireland only to the exclusion of the others?
1: So that's, that's true. So I think it was announced uh, in the last week that so we're probably going to discontinue with uh, uh, any new orders for Johnson Johnson and uh, AstraZeneca. I think that probably relates, Jerry, to the fact that if you look at the efficacy of these vaccines, it depends really what we're talking about. So efficacy, all of the vaccines protect us really well in terms of preventing us from getting very seriously ill, hospitalisation or dying from this virus. All of them work fantastically well. If you look at the RNA vaccines and two doses of the RNA vaccines, they seem to also work quite well in terms of protecting us against infection. And probably a little bit better than the AstraZeneca. Uh, But they're not perfect. And if you look at the Delta variant, for example, there are these cases of breakthrough infections now where people who have been doubly vaccinated, including doubly vaccinated with the Pfizer and the Moderna, can end up getting infected again, we shouldn't be surprised with this.
4: Like None of the
1: vaccines really against respiratory viruses or whatever, none of them provide what we would describe as sterilising immunity. There's a very good reason for that. So when you get that double dose vaccine, you produce antibodies. The antibodies that are produced will last for about five months in your blood and then they're broken down. Again, for a very good reason, because we're exposed to lots of different bacteria and viruses every day. If we were to produce antibodies that would never disappear and never be broken down. Our blood would just be a thick sort of syrupy mix. It just wouldn't work. Mm. So do the antibodies last. Uh, and then if you're exposed to the virus, there's the possibility that the virus may infect some of your cells in your upper respiratory system. But then we have a memory as part of our immune response. So we can start producing more antibody and also these T cells that will actually get rid of the virus. But during that time, you can be infected but because you have this immunity, it will stop the virus from making you very sick. Um, so the reason probably why we're using the RNA vaccines is because the RNA vaccines probably are better in terms of protecting us from getting even infected by the virus. But they're not perfect. I don't think we're going to get vaccines that are going to provide sterilising immunity and prevent us from getting infection. I think actually this is really pertinent in terms of long term view in terms of where we're going with COVID, that it's going to be impossible, I think, to eradicate this virus. It's going to be with us indefinitely, probably forever. But importantly, and there will be outbreaks, and there will be outbreaks probably in the winter months. But importantly, because most of us have been vaccinated, even though in our lifetimes, even with vaccinated, we may end up getting infected by the virus. The vaccine's going to give us good protection, in most cases, against getting very seriously ill and death. There will be some cases... Like there is, for example, with the flu vaccine where some will continue to get sick and die, but those numbers will be dramatically reduced relative to the numbers that were dying and getting seriously ill pre-vaccine.
3: So that's why we're seeing uh, our neighbours opening up, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, you know, moving ahead. There's talk that there's going to be further easing of restrictions here this month, even though the chair of NEFIT, Professor Philip Nolan, says rising cases are not sustainable, 248 in hospital, the latest figures 51 in ICU. But what you're saying basically, Paul, is this is where it's at. This is what it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I think over the coming months and certainly by next year, we're certainly going to move away from uh, just, you know, using case numbers. And the reason there is because we'll get to a stage where most of the population will have been vaccinated. And again, the virus will still be there. There will be still some cases of infection. But thankfully, the vaccine will uh, protect us to very strong degrees from getting very seriously ill and being hospitalized. So I think what you will see is over the coming months, you will see a gradual move towards more of a focus on the effect of the virus with respect to serious illness, hospitalization and deaths. And that I think will become the new indicators. And probably over time we will probably end up, you know, stopping maybe community Testing and move to a situation where somebody presents with symptoms and to diagnose, you know, COVID in, uh, infection with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that would probably still continue to be. But whether we continue to test contact cases or whatever, I think over time that will also lessen as well. So I think over time we're going to move away from using, um, you know, confirmed cases at the as the index in terms of trying to assess how bad this is to one where we're actually looking at the consequences and the effects of the infection on the health system and especially in relation in relation to hospitalization.
3: So change on the way imminently. I suppose there's a COVID uh you know, exhaustion at this stage with the daily press conferences, the numbers on that as well. And uh, it's good to hear that uh, the emphasis will be changing uh, in the not-too-distant future. Paul, as usual, I thank you for your valued time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again. You're very welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Take care. Professor Paul Moyner there, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Jerry, I'm going to hold off for the moment my 12-year-old daughter and see how things go. I think she's near the under-12 group only after turning 12, so just very nervous uh, and there's no plans for the under 12s yet so I don't think there's too much urgency says Sinead to us today and um, Mickey's been on to say we've always been told that it's not a disease of younger people so r- really leave the under 18s and look after older and more vulnerable people around the world they're more in need says Mickey that's a good point and actually Paul Moyne made that point to me Mickey I think last week when we were talking um and uh, look I have more questions that just come to me as Paul is leaving us I'm going to hold them over to next week and I'll put them to Paul I promise you he'll be back with us please God next Tuesday and I'll keep those questions for him uh, and I'm sure he would be delighted to answer them as well I'll come back to them I promise you now Louise I'm promising listeners since this morning that you and I well maybe not I and them are going to iron things out
5: mm, or not
3: or not yes because we're back to the old chestnut of ironing clothes aren't we? Yes. And this is prompted in your house last evening. I know it came up in conversation between children and that
5: 5-year-old <laughs> and, and his friend. Yeah. Um I just overheard them talking and they were talking about haircuts because they were I don't know scared about something. And his little friend said, you know, sometimes my mum, I, I presume she she meant trips the switch when she's ironing. Yes. And my son sent What's ironing? And I immediately went, oh, no. (laughs) And she said, you know, when your mum irons the clothes to make them nice and warm and get those, you know, the lions out uh, uh, like those in your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And I just went,
3: oh, no. You slinked into the background. I don't iron. At all?
5: I'll iron, you know, sometimes school clothes. Now, I make a point of getting the non-iron shirts. Yep. But the air techs, and I, I, can't get the, I can never get the collar right. But mm. I, I'll do my best. But apart from that.
3: You're not a big fan of the iron?
5: No. I'd say it's probably an appliance I will have in Perfect Nick in about 50 years.
3: Like my bread maker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know my claim to fame. They know, sure, I'm telling them for years here. I have never used an iron in my life.
5: I'm probably ever, not too ever. far behind you. Are you not? No. I sit on them. <laughs> <laughs> Your body usually get rid of the creases.
3: You have to have a flat bottom, you know, to sit in.
5: them. <laughs> I have a very flat bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but you know, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I, I do know this. Like people iron crazy things. You know, mm-hmm. people, why would you iron socks?
5: Yeah. Or tea towels.
3: Knickers. Undies. Things like that. Duvet tea covers. towels.
5: They're Towels. Massive.
3: Why would you want? Like I know people who are meticulous to the last; mm. they are in absolutely everything. But those things don't make sense, do
5: they? No, do duvet cover. Fold it's it. Massive. Fold it. Put it over duvet. your head. Run yeah. around, play ghosty for a while, <laughs> yeah. and, and the pieces <laughs> will just come fold out. Fold
3: the it. towels. Fold the knickers and unders. You know, roll up the socks or whatever. But I, I will say, I say this, and I, I, I'd say I'm. I've
5: well, never seen you wearing anything creased, though, Jerry. No. Are you a secret person that comes in? Yes. Lines?
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have somebody fantastic who does, and she's wonderful and she loves it. And and I'll tell you I, I'll have a I'll ha, ha, I'll, I'll, Yes, I, I would have a bet with you. I'd say there are people who actually love ironing, find it probably therapeutic, you know, yeah. in a way. And other people just absolutely detest it. They do it, but they do it with a grudge every time. You know what I'm saying? Now let, let's let's try and suss this out. Folks, do you iron everything to the nth degree, what we're talking about there? The towels, the pillow covers, the duvets, the knickers, everything like that. Are you someone who's really into that, that you you just do it? And perhaps you love ironing. Is, that, is there somebody out there today? Just let us know. I love it. Yes, I love ironing. Uh, and let us know. Or On the other hand, are you in the Louise Ferreter Club of keeping the iron pristine and handing it on to somebody else in perfect condition. Do you not bother with it at all? What's the story in late lunch land with the iron? Let us know. I want to hear from you. 086-1800-658. Come on, let us know. Let us hear. Let us have a devotee to ironing. And on the other hand, somebody who just the creases Don't bother them.
5: Or hangs them up. Some people just get them straight yes, out of well, them and just hangs them up.
3: Yes, gravity will take the, the, the creases out of it as well. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. If you'd like to call in, that's eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. What's the story with the ironing? I'd say there's people, you know, I often see I used to see people like with the iron board and watch the telly. You yeah, know, they'd be ironing and watching the, watching the television mm-hmm. and and it would it would take your mind off it or something like that. But look, at there's nothing to beat, is there? A pristine ironed shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wearing it that it's—I've
5: seen people wearing a beautiful iron shirt at the front, but the back is all creased. They put how, jack- how do you do that? They put the jacket over it.
3: Oh my god! You know, they
5: just—they just, they just um, iron the front of it, so it looks really well. But then they wear their suit jacket over it, so you can't see the back. <laughs> Anne, Anne, thank you. There's Anne
3: straight in. I even iron my knickers, Jerry. They feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> So Anne, is there a difference? Is there a difference? Really Anne? If you iron the knickers or don't iron them does that little comfy
5: feel really, Anne.
3: Anne, oh my god, there you go Hey Louise, you don't know what you're I, missing out I'm on i confused now Our <laughs> Anne says, you got to iron your drawers You really have to Dimna, dimna, you got to iron your drawers You do indeed Anyway, come on, keep your messages coming to us Let's iron this out on late lunch this afternoon 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or Texas? Taking us to news weather at two. It's the four of us. And Mary, does she earn them? I wonder. I wonder does Mary earn them?
4: Mary's got a new job. She's working in the bank. Making lots of money
3: giving it to Ironing, keep your comments coming to us. On the pro side, a listener says, Yes, I love iron. I iron everything. It's definitely therapy, Jerry. And the satisfaction of everything neat and tidy, a real feel good factor. Thank you for that one. Another one says, Hi, Jerry. Ironing is not my favourite pastime, but I iron my towels because I don't have a dryer and it softens them for sure, says Rosemary. Another one there says, uh, From Mary, I would rather see a shirt dirty than an iron shirt, Jerry. What about that one? That's all on the pro side. We have the other side. We have the Louise Ferreder club to tell you about in a little while as well. Keep your comments coming to us. Do you love or really detest ironing we're trying to get a feel for it on late lunch this afternoon 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text us to the show eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight 958 if you'd like to call in now my next guest on the show I was just checking back through my notes and I go back to June 2016 when I met him he'd just been made a deacon of the Catholic Church he's subsequently become a priest and he's been stationed at the parish of St. Peter's in Drogheda for the last four four years or so and he is loved, I can tell you by the community. So there are tears, gnashing of teeth, and a sad farewell to be had because Father Barry Matthews is moving on and he joins me on the line. Hello Barry. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Well, well well it's about four years, is it? Am I right there? Four. It f- is, yeah. Oh, I yeah. came to that four years ago after
6: I was ordained. Um so delighted to to have been here for the four years course this is a very good news story I'm, I'm going to be going to the cathedral but uh, no matter how much I'm looking forward to, to moving to Armagh um, I'm going to miss Drogheda, you know I really love Drogheda um, over those years you know. Mm,
3: and you are going to the cathedral parish in Armagh so you're uh, uh, you know, at the pinnacle of uh, uh, the whole Archdiocese there in, in your new ministry but hey come here, a man from the Keys, a Sean O'Mahony's man to the core and he loves Drogheda
6: that's right, that's right. And my first Mass, believe it or not, in Drahada, was celebrated in Diorathli's club rooms. Right. Um, and funny enough, the last time I celebrated Mass in Diorathli's was um, last year. And the evening in question, they were actually playing the O'Mahni's. Uh, on that evening so so I couldn't I couldn't let on who I was supporting that
3: evening <laughs> Barry come on who did you offer your prayers for were you, were, were, you, were you neutral did you offer for both sides or did you really have a little extra Hail Mary for the key Oh, I sat on the fence. Anyway, look, you know, four years is a time. I know there are your colleagues who spend longer in parishes, and they have to uproot and go. And you know, people are very sad about it. It's part and parcel of your ministry of your life. Is it even a wrench? You know, four years. It is. You obviously feel a bit of a wrench being moved. Oh, it
6: is. It is like I suppose someone described it recently as your 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 moving uh, job, you're moving home, your relationships are changing. So so really, it's it's a big it's a big life change. And um, but I suppose as you say, like it's part of the ministry. It's something that that we've been prepared for right through seminary. It's 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 part of the life of the priest. But you know, it's still going to be on a human side. It's still going to be a big change and a big a big shock to the system when it actually happens. The other thing is, you never really know when it's going to happen, so, mm. so you're sort of you're sort of all the time all the time prepared, you
3: know. Yes, and uh, you've seen what I say; I wasn't exaggerating. There's real sadness at your leaving because you, you've noticed this yourself on social media. I'm sure on the calls you've got the approaches when you're out and about in your daily work, and it must be really lovely to hear how people feel so fondly of you and feel fondly for you.
6: Oh, it's very humbling, very very humbling but you know it doesn't really surprise me because from the moment that i i came to Drahat, i came here actually 7 years ago as a student for a mm. year and then went way back to complete my studies but from the moment i i came to dhoti people were so kind so friendly so welcoming really they they opened the doors they opened their hearts and um, to me and and then i suppose 2 years ago then i lost my mother and um, and people were just so so kind and um, like you could never quantify, and how how people really—I describe it in two ways. I suppose people in Dharara taught me how to be a priest, and and the second thing they really made me made me a member of their family, especially at that sad time in our own family. You know, mm,
3: that's really nice to hear, and it's uh, lovely words to your community and and parishioners. I, I think if things are you know you've been. I've been talking to you on and off through the four years as well and the great work you've done with St. Peter's Cemetery, the Lenten lectures that you were involved in that packed the church out when we could have people in church as well. That uh, uh, book or booklet, if you like, you you might call it, that you produce Stations of the Cross for an Addicted World, etc. You know, those things spring to mind of things that you've been to the forefront of, Barry.
6: Yeah, and it's amazing because I I remember one of our Lenten uh, Sunday talks was was Mickey Hart, and it was incredible. And um, like the reaction, the reaction actually from all of those Sunday series was was incredible. But but the reaction to Mickey Hart really was incredible, and now to have him here in loud um, with our own team, it's, it's it's incredible, you know.
3: Yeah, well, and you, you so could might we might say that having set in the fence with the O'Reillys uh, and the key men in the match, you were praying your heart out that night that someday he'd lead the wee county. I take my, it.
6: Yeah, yeah, I have no doubt that that's what <laughs> happened. Them, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but Barry, you know, over the time as well, you've had to deal with your own personal tragedy with losing a man but you know the Covid tragedy the tragedies in life you've been here during violent times in Drogheda as well
6: That's right and the one thing about those days in Drogheda, it just shows resilience and the, and the strength of character of people, like people always always kept strong, they, kept, they were very hopeful in all those times and, and again during the, the pandemic um, it was wonderful People people still kept that Sense of community and um, it was wonderful in in our own parish. Ken and Eugene got the webcams in just at the beginning of the of the pandemic and it was a great way of of connecting with the parishioners and as a result of that, the number of calls, phone calls, and messages that came into to the parish houses just to see how we were, even though people were struggling so much like it really shows the support that that people have for their priest, and it's, it's very edifying for us um, as as a team. But it shows the, the strength of character and 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 the great people of Drogheda that the would that they would be thinking of of other people, and um, and you see that through the difficult time in Drogheda over the last couple of years, like people continued to to look out for each other, to support one another, you know. And and I think that's that's a wonderful, the mm. uh, wonderful mark of of any town, you know.
3: Yeah, and it's there, and and it's you don't hear about it, you know it, and you you tell us today, and people living and going about their daily lives know that as well. But you know, it's the. It's the dark stuff that that hugs the headlines. Another thing you and I spoke about a couple of times, you know, you're a late vocation. Uh, you told your story to me of how you came to the church and how you feel God came to you. Um, you were an accountant before you entered uh, the ministry and became a priest. But I did say to you, I know once or twice before, and I just see uh, the Catholic Archbishop of Dublin, Dermot Farrell, speaking in the last 24 hours about the lack of faith among young people, the absolute absence of faith and I put it to you before you know that this is a huge challenge you know and and continues to be and obviously will be with Dermot Farrell's words what's your take on that being a young man as well you know on the move and from your experience even in these four years in the church as a priest?
6: It is. There is definitely uh, an absence of young people, especially from, from Mass and from the organised sort of structural uh, ceremonies within the church. However, like I would have done some work over in the Lord's Hospital just as a locum chaplain, and, and also at times of funerals, at times of sadness uh, in, in a family or in a community, you see the young people really, really searching for something. And they really, really are delighted to have a priest come and they they rely on their their faith in those moments. And I suppose that just signifies the the change in our society, that that people have a faith, the the faith is is there, it's it's something that that, that they long for, but maybe their their ways of practising the faith have changed. Um, And I have no doubt that many young people still pray, um, like, even I'd notice um, any time I'm on West Street, the amount of young people maybe that bless themselves passing the church, you know, who pop in just to light a candle. Um, but maybe they're not just all the time at Mass, you know. Um, maybe they're, they're just, you know, Mass just isn't there for them yet. And it's a journey for us all, the journey of faith. You mentioned my own journey of faith. And I suppose we're all on that journey towards a closer relationship with God and and You know, that that often happens at at a certain period in our lives when we start, our priorities change and our our focus in life changes.
3: And, you know, Barry, you make a good point. I've said it here before. At the end of the day, when we are in crisis and we face our mortality whatever that may be or whatever age that is at what else have you really what else do you fall back on? and you see that a lot of people do fall back without uh, you know attending the formalities uh, of the church so you're on your way uh, when, when are you officially gone the 28th is it so so
6: I start in Armagh on
3: the 28th
6: so I'll be I'll be packing up Sunday next week and um, my final Mass in the parish will be this weekend in the Lourdes and then on Sunday in St. Peter's please God and of course those masses can also be uh, viewed on the webcam. The webcam's a great a great
3: uh, yeah.
1: asset
6: to the parish. Uh, Ken and Eugene got it in and, and it's it's a real a real blessing. Um, and so many people some you know one couple said to me uh on early on in the pandemic that it was their lifeline, you know, mm. it was truly really was their lifeline and that that again it's
3: very edifying. Yeah, yes yes so if you can't get along to uh, Our Lady of Lourdes Church or St Peter's this coming weekend to say goodbye to Father Barry you can all, always uh, follow online it is there to to be viewed anyway Droghund is lost St Peter's Parish is certainly our mark Cathedral's gain I have to say you've been here four years you've made your mark and look thank you on behalf of everybody Barry for all the people you've uh, been with, uh, brought comfort to, and inspired. And I wish you well. You're a great priest, and you're going to be a huge addition to Armagh.
6: Jerry, thanks so much. And thanks to all your listeners for all the, the kindness of the time of Drachda. Thank you.
3: Father Barry Matthews, good wishes. Thank you for joining me on the show this afternoon. He's a fantastic man. He really is, and we wish him well. Up next on the show, well, you know what's going on in Afghanistan at the moment. Aoife McManus speaking to Michael Reed this morning uh, on the show, and uh, she's there and can tell firsthand what's happening on the ground. Well, our dad, Ray, uh, wants to have a word with us next. Stay with us. Saigon 2, that's Afghanistan. There is no doubt about it. Why the hell did they ever go in 20 years ago? Well, they'll give you reasons why they went in. But the collapse has been spectacular, and God help all of the people out there, who have uh, the Taliban to answer to now. And there are a lot of people from this neck of the woods out there, and there's a real concern. Eva McManus spoke to Michael Reed this morning on his show, and her dad, Ray, joins me on the line. Hello, Ray. Hello, Jerry. Ray, uh, Jenny, your wife, her brother, Column, and it goes without saying, you must be really concerned.
2: We have been extremely concerned for weeks now. As we were watching the, the colours on the maps, on television and on, on the computer, changing, showing the Taliban takeover, inexorably heading towards Kabul, we were losing more and more sleep. We were talking to Aoife, and of course they weren't getting the same news as we were. And Aoife was saying that on the ground over there, everything was quiet in Kabul, Nobody expected it. Nobody expected it. And it really, you'd think that American intelligence, British intelligence, would have, would have had some inkling of the speed with which the Taliban would uh, get into Kabul. Mm. I remember seeing when the last southern city fell, the one that's immediately south of Kabul, and there was only 140 kilometers of motorway between that city which which was held by the Taliban, between that city and Kabul. And the American intelligence were saying it'll be 30 days before they get in. They were in in two days. And then as we were hearing these reports, the the Taliban are surrounding the city. You can imagine the feeling in the stomach, the tightening, trying to get a breath. And we're speaking to Wifa, and she says, yes, we're evacuating now or the compound where they live. Where are you going? We don't know. And then the plan, when they were supposed to go to a certain place, that was changed. It was all this lack of certainty. It was the plans being changed not only by the hour, but by the five minutes, maybe. They were going this place. They were going that place. They were saying goodbye to their Afghan colleagues and friends that they had come to admire and love and respect so much. And they were leaving them. They were all crying, getting into armoured vehicles to go. They didn't know where they were moving out. And then they got down as far as the the airport and they were supposed to be flying out the following morning on a, a scheduled charter. And then they crisis erupted at the airport itself Mm. and we're getting these reports from EFA and from news feeds and you're just getting more and more sick with worry the whole time yeah at this stage she is in the gentle care of the taliban the taliban are protecting the place where she is and we never thought we'd see the day that we would be happy enough with that situation. But they're bending over backwards by the looks of things to make sure that no foreigner is injured or touched in any way at all. Mm. So they are protecting this location where he is at the moment. And it seems that it's only a question of time now that the flights have resumed at the airport and the poor Afghans have been cleared away that it's only yeah. a matter of time before Aoife will, please God, fly out of there. Yeah.
3: And and yeah. she she loved it, didn't she? She's been there a couple of years with an NGO working in primary education. She she was she, very happy. She
2: was happy. of, a, of, yeah. of a, an education mm. project, particularly for women and, and girls. Yes. And it was so important to her. She spent eight and a half years now... Working in development education in Ghana and in Mozambique, and now latterly in uh, in Kabul, and it was this is her passion in life, development education. And if uh, if the takeover of the Taliban in the nineties is anything to go by, a lot of her work will well I can't say it'll be it'll be for nothing, because these people that are have been reasonably well educated now, um, will have a different outlook on life, and will understand their rights, and will understand how important it is to educate their own children, even informally. Um, but it's an awful pity to see yes. the, the 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 progress that has been made by mm. Eva and by the, her likes. There are an awful lot of people, international people, they're working tirelessly. Uh, for education for, for girls particularly mm. to see it all stopped in its tracks
3: It's horrendous and uh, you know everything that people have given people have given of their lives uh, in terms of military service there's people have given like your daughter in, in, in building you know up from the bottom up educational wise and to see all that fall like a deck of cards is truly shocking and those images last night of people clinging on to the beneath of an aircraft and falling from the sky. It reminded me of nine eleven, 11 with people jumping from the buildings. Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, did I hear you saying earlier on, a Saigon moment? It is yes. just... Like, oh, yes. And I, I've been saying this for weeks. Please, God, don't let it be like another Saigon. Mm. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, the Americans will will be holding out for the, uh, until, that, until all the flights are gone. Hopefully, they'll keep the airport secure. But... Um, Insofar as they didn't see it happening. They didn't see it coming. Once again, intelligence has let them down. And um, this ragtag army with no armor, with no air power, with nothing like that, Mm. are able to take them on and beat them.
3: It's incredible. It, they they it ran incredible. through. Yes, they ran through the country, unopposed, yeah. virtually unopposed everywhere. Virtually unopposed. So yeah. Ray, look, uh, just finally, uh, you, you're fingers crossed, all going well. She'll be to the airport and home. What, 24, 48 hours, hopefully.
2: Please God, she reckons herself that it'll be tomorrow sometime. Good. And once she's out of Afghan airspace, we will begin to breathe properly and hopefully get a good night's sleep. And we don't care where she flies to, as long as it's out of Afghanistan. Mm. The the original plan was to go to Istanbul. Um then it could be Dubai, it could be anywhere, we don't know. Mm. But wherever she flies to it'll it won't be long after that until she get back here home in Ireland. And we we'll look forward to that.
3: Ray, thank you for taking our call. And we're thinking of her and all of you, yourself, Jenny and Colm, and everybody who are waiting for loved ones to get out of Afghanistan all over the world, get out of there safely. And we think of the people who remain behind as well. Ray, wish you well. Thank you, Gerry. Bye now. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Ray McManus, Eva McManus, Dad, uh, speaking to us this afternoon on Late Lunch. It's just unbelievable. It really is. What has happened? The the might of America and Britain and others as well just swept aside, out, gone. 20 years, built nothing really, built on sand, foundations of sand, security it looks like at this stage. Or those images last night of people falling from the planes. Shocking, shocking. I want to dedicate this song to everybody caught up in the shocking situation in Afghanistan. I saw her once in concert and she was just. Angelic. What a singer, what a performer. She passed away at the weekend. Yes, you know who I'm talking about. It's From a Distance. And Nancy Griffith. God is watching us. Is he watching us? Please watch the people of Afghanistan today.
4: From a distance, the world looks blue and green. And the snow-capped mountains white.
3: Oh, the beautiful, late, great Nancy Griffith who passed away at the weekend. From a distance, you look like my friend, even though we are at war. What's it all about? Really, what is it all about? It's hard to fathom, isn't it? It really, really is. Peter Rooney was on from Dundalk to wish Father Barry Matthews the best of luck in his new ministry. We have more on your ironing, but let's get on the road with our motoring man, Tony Conlon. Hello again, Tony. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. I see the E-word in the cars we're going to talk about today, electric. And we'll come back to that whole scenario again in a moment. But first, Tony, the Citroën C4 and EC4. Citroën always renowned for comfort, Tony.
7: Yeah, there's no there's at no all about that. I suppose the greatest story attached to Citroën at the moment is that they're governed back, being uh, distributed by the PSA group in Dublin, which, in other words, the same people that are looking after Opel, the same people are looking after Peugeot, same people look after Honda. So there's a whole Irish element to it and definitely a whole new Irish management system and structure to it. Again, just think what Peugeot done, some of the best people out there, Colin Sheridan, Colin Keeley, people that we know from past past experiences in the motor industry, Irish out and out, and uh, That's the whole secret of getting the percentage points up. So watch this space again. It's what's happening. They're reinventing themselves both car-wise and business-wise. They're now, of course... uh Stellantis is one of the biggest groups in the world. They account for Alfa Romeo to Maserati to Citroen, Peugeot, Opel. They're part of that. They're the fourth biggest in the world. They're going to invest $30 billion over the next four years. And, of course, PSA Group Ireland are going into a brand new structure out in city west that would govern all the marks that they're looking after. So, Things looking up, a lot of positivity there with that company anyway, there's no doubt at all about.
3: And Tony, the C4, it's been a staple in the Citroën range for a time now. They're bringing in the e-version. Now, you've been driving this. Have you been driving the e-version or the other? No,
7: I, I, I looked at the e-version. I drove the diesel version. It was the first one available to me. But the thing about the new C4 is that while we know them from the, the, the past, been competitors, direct competitors for for cars in that segment, the the, the shape of them, the style of them, the the, the hatchback and such. The the new one is more than a hatchback. It's a, an SUV. A, the strong SUV characteristics there, especially like the best height, ground best height, the highest vehicle out there, the best ground clearance, seat position, interior room, and basically driving position with it with eyesight view of the road. So they're the big things off it. But the E, yes, the E will give about 350 kilometres and the real world, that's the worldwide harmonised life vehicle test procedure, 350, I'd always go a little bit less than that. I did not drive it, but I drove the diesel. And you say, oh God, he's into diesel again. You know, well, here. Look, you mentioned Comfort. It has the progressive hydraulic cushions on the suspension system. It is a mechanical suspension system, typical mechanical like a lot of cars, but it has these, these progressive, hydraulic cushions that make the vehicle all the more comfortable. A beautiful advanced comfort seats in the two. So they never lost the comfort element, Jerry. And the diesel engine I was driving was the one point five.
3: And a beaut. And I'm just looking at it here. You sent me on the images. It is different to what you might have a C4 in your mind. It's up off the ground. It's higher. Uh, it, it's in, you know, it looks like it's in the SUV, that heighted category as well. Lovely sleek back on it as well. The wheels, you name it. By God, this is uh, one that's going to go far for them.
7: I think so, and uh, look, I was speaking to, to Colin Sheridan yesterday and, and the boys for a few moments. And what I see about the car is it's very stylish. Mm. All done style, Jerry. We know that for yeah. a fact. It has three hundred and eighty litres of boot space with the seats upright, which is expandable by about three times of that. It has a ten-inch colour touchscreen right across the range. It has buttons also that you don't have to touch in the screen, for example, to put up the heat and taking your eyes off the road. Everything is is in a simple format. I think price is a big thing. Twenty four thousand seven forty for the petrol 1.2 one point two, twenty six thousand odd for the diesel, five year warranty, three year roadside assistance. But here's the fact of the matter. I don't want it's hard for some companies trying to see what's happened I don't want to go and mention names today but SUVs in the SUV segment it is pretty difficult to find a, a diesel car people that were making these were renowned. As one manufactured 50,000 SUVs with diesel engines but 99% were diesel engines in the country you have another one like you the Honda CRV for example You have the Nissan Qashqai let's mention them yeah. and you have the RAV4 the Toyota RAV4 these were all household names with diesel engines now Europe needn't think and needn't to, to condole Ireland think that Ireland's going to stop and get a plug straight away and start plugging in cars because those living in the rural setting, Jerry, mm-hmm. I'm sick to me teeth of saying this, we're not just ready. We're well, not ready if you're driving an up and down to your walk now if you're walking from home and the intention is to walk from home from evermore a little plug-in car will do you lovely electric car will do you fine but if you're driving long distances the inconvenience the inconvenience and the mileage that's to steer presently will not be survived
3: ok so you're saying Tony diesel and petrol around for quite a bit more here it will eventually migrate but the range and the charging has to move on even another step
7: there's, there's too many advancements to be made yet, Jerry. It, it, I, 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 there's the stonemasons out there, for God's sake, don't go making headstones for diesel cars yet. That's all I'm saying to you. There's no need for that yet. And the fact of the matter is, this little secret, secret that Citroen have here, and it like the likes of Peugeot, is they're, go, they're providing the market with a diesel car on, up to that ultimate moment. They didn't jump ship yet. Yeah. And those that did jump ship yet have to work shocking hard to play catch-up. Okay. very difficult because they have to convince people and all in the world there's no you know sir there's no big huge conversations and television rattling about this at all there's there's little groups of people saying things about time to go electric we'll be all electric by 2030 this company yes every company has been represented they're going to look at this but we have to get the format where we're going to get the power to talk about all the it factories that are coming in and what they call it that will require power we're surrounded by water. We're surrounded by wind. There's means and ways to do it, but the infrastructure is not right yet. And as an inconvenience, and until it's right, that's what all I'm going to say.
3: On it. And, Tony, you're, those other marks you've ma- mentioned there that have been, uh, you know, rooted in diesel and sold massive numbers of cars, you're telling me that a lot of those have migrated wholesale to electric now.
7: H- wholesale to electric and, sorry, plug in electric and hybrid.
3: Hybrid. Electric. Yeah. And okay. the
7: hybrid the hybrid look, the plug in hybrid. hybrid we, we'll talk about one maybe in a second. It's there there's a mean, there are means forward. There's no question at all about it, But there is a discipline to be attached to them. And and they are making the, the, the cash guy with the 1.2 petrol engine is lovely. It's just to get your driving form a change. You drive in a kind of an economical mindset and you're going to be okay. Uh,
3: the one you mentioned, I think, is the Honda E. Um, it's a cute little car and you love this car. You've said it to me. We've been talking the last couple of days. And you see this as fitting into a family scenario, sort of in the second car range.
7: Yeah, I, I, I do, Jerry. Look, it's, I don't understand one thing with one hand and another thing with the other hand it, the Honda E is a small little super mini as such mm. and it's ideal for urban setting okay. and if it was a toy even a cuddly type every child in the country would want one it, it loads that come and hug me appearance it's mm. a beautiful cute looking little car like the three in one combination set up on the, on the and the headlamps alone, the running lights, the turning indicator, all built into the high beam projector, into the centre headlamp. The lights, uh, what do you call it, lights in, on the back, which is beautiful. The couch-style comfort on the interior. And the range is not great. God, it's, it's not really good at all. Like maybe 200 will have push, definitely 170, but that's okay for town running, mm. Jerry.
4: Mm. It's mm.
7: definitely okay. The boot is one seventy one to eight six one. That's okay for the shopping too. Yep. Plenty of power, great turning circle. You turn it on the saucer. And I love all the apps and the big screens, but here's part of the technology. Let's just tell you this real quickly. The whole front of the dash is big screens. Mm. And the two corner ones are like television screens. There's no door mirrors in the car. There's cameras outside instead of door mirrors and it protrudes inside to this T V screens. I think it's fantastic. But if you're getting on a little bit, and like maybe myself, I just need, thanks for the God, reading glasses, I found that I was a little bit clear, more clear in the door mirror type. And maybe I could mm. address that by getting the eyes another look at them or something else yes. like that. The steering wheel, while it's futuristic, I'd love to see a smaller steering wheel. And the door handles are like the Jaguar and the Range Rovers that reset back into it, into the flush with the panels itself. It's a lovely little car, Jerry. But 30,000 will get you one. And uh, I'd be inclined to start. If I had a nice petrol or diesel car at home and I was going to say, look, let's change the second car, this could be the way forward if you're doing basically town driving or yes. just the shopping and all this. It's a lovely little car for that reason. The price is not too bad, too, but it talk about being the centre of attention and talk about being a conversation piece and beautifully built and packed to the hilt with safety equipment. I give, it a, I give it a thumbs up, Jerry, yeah.
3: There you are. It's getting the wolf whistles from Tony today. The Honda E for sure. Cute little car. It looks smashing, and Tony loves it. But a, a, a segment there he feels forward. If you're thinking of the migration, you're running two cars. Perhaps it's the one to have if you're around town, round city, or whatever. Just finally today, a word quickly, Tony, about the Mercedes all electric EQA. Another looker.
7: Yeah, well, there's no doubt at all about it. Mercedes would... But it is a luxury. yeah. yes. Based on the GLA, it's an SUV-style body. It, it, it does what it says in the can and the tin, really. Like, it's got a range, a real world range, of 450... 423 kilometres. That's good. I, I didn't get that, but I got the height three hundred out Okay. And I was happy with that, Cherry. It's priced at 51,000, rising up to 56 in this case. All the safety elements in the world all the comfort in the world beautiful, beautifully built and it's the start of a major major changes for Mercedes
4: mm.
3: so there you are up to 300 kilometers claims 423 it's pricey enough Tony isn't it at 51 to 50 K, but that's Mercedes yeah, but that, that,
7: that, that's what I'm kind of saying if you're going to make the real big jump yeah. ok that's fine but what I'm saying about, saying about the Honda there with the second car if you can get into that series, on which you can you can get into the little Peugeots you can get into this local courses. I and the Honda e's I'd be trained to just if I was going to go that move to electric and I had two cars in the family or three cars in the family I'd say maybe well, maybe it's time we get one electric between us and see how it goes you know rather than fork out a rake of money okay. but if you're a one car family and you're going to say I make that move 300, 400 kilometres is the for me well you'd have to look at Mercedes because it's right up there with Audi's also you
3: know Tony you're fantastic as usual thank you so much talk to you next month God bless you. Thanks Take care. Much. Tony Thanks. Conlon there. What a brilliant guy. Lots of information uh, to mull over there now about your next four wheels. Marie from Dundalk irons every garment she can get her hand on, including the socks. And I love it, Jerry. Uh, Liam says, I used to iron. Good man, Liam. I never ironed a thing in my life. But if the kids needed something for a party, he'd run a hot steamy shower, hang the clothes on the door, and he also has a hand steamer. It'd do the job for sure, says Liam this afternoon. Sheila doesn't love ironing, but when she starts, she can't stop. (laughs) All the bed covers have to be ironed or she'd have a heart attack if they weren't. Thank you for letting us know, Sheila. Joanne's been on to say, there's no need to iron, Jerry. Uh, I take it out of the dryer hot, all the clothes and fold them. My sister irons everything, underwear, tea cloths, etc. Not for me, the dryer does it all. Another listener says, I have a cherry tree with pears growing on it. what's that got to do with ironing louise holy god I know, almighty. But I love it. that's a random <laughs> i love it a cherry tree with pears grown on it i love ironing jerry leave it till all the baskets are full then do it i grade the clothes the bed clothes the clothes we wear the tea towels etc it's very relaxing but i have to be in the mood says a listener today and um back to Anne. somebody here thinks Anne. Anne said, I even iron my knickers. They feel much better. Somebody here thinks you might be wearing big ones, Anne.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No disrespect.
3: (laughs) It's not me, Anne. It's not me. So have a guess. Have a guess. Sorry. Anyway, sorry, Louise. I'll never, I'm in trouble now altogether. I'm in trouble. No, I'm only joking. Now. We're only joking. Now. Anyway. I'll fire the
5: iron. Uh,
3: <laughs> it'll, come, it'll come through from Studio One to Studio Two in a minute. Oh, We've my a, God. See the
5: it- text from um, our man in New York, Nigel? Oh, yeah. His son got a summer job this season working in the laundry room, and he irons 44 shirts daily, as well as sheets and everything else. God almighty.
3: Yeah. So there you are. Uh, uh, ironing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. I love this one, Jerry. The only time I use an iron is on the golf course.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bit like myself, I have to say as well. It's not something, it's not something uh, I've ever done in my life. And I thank Throw a jumper over. <laughs> it's iron from me. But look at it, when you look at the split today, I and mean, we're more, like more along those lines here today. i would be here for a while reading them all. But it's sort of a, is it a 50 split Mm, I'd say so yeah isn't it between the non-iron crew uh, and and people Mm -hmm. who who actually loved doing the ironing you know and get great satisfaction out of it it's interesting it really is
5: my iron will come out next week when the kids are back at school will it but I still want to know I still can't get the collars right
3: on the the shorts on
5: the air text the air text shirts
3: Okay, can you help Louise? How does she get the collars right on the when shirt? When I do have to iron, <laughs> do you ever burn anything when you were iron? Do you ever leave the iron on the, on the iron board? Do you ever see those ones where the iron goes down through the mm. iron board and gets <laughs> that hot, pshht, and the, the shape of the iron it goes right through the iron board? Do you ever burn anything?
5: Thankfully, I don't. I, well, I burn loads, but never clothes.
3: No, she sticks with food.
5: Mm.
3: It's food only. You not clothes? No, 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 no. You never did.
5: Not that I can remember. I'm no. Sure,
3: people do. You know, I, you know, just. It's very easy. You know, I didn't to do it with the fish fingers burned the house down last week. You leave the iron and walk away. Oh, my God. That's why I don't iron. I'd be afraid I'd burn the place down. <laughs> That's my excuse. And I'm mistaken. to it. Anyway, today is a special day in the family. Yes, because my son, Jared married the lovely Shauna Kerwin three years ago on this day. Can you believe? Where have those three years gone? And my God, what a day we had. Anyway, happy anniversary from all of us and especially from Pippa, your lovely little daughter as well. Anyway, this one is for you on your anniversary. Enjoy. Tell me something girl. Now back to the ironing. Louise, you've come up with a a sensational new hack for your iron. <laughs> she won't iron her clothes, but tell us what you're going to do with the iron from now on.
5: Iron sandwiches. Toasted sandwiches. <laughs> you make a toasted sandwich, you put it in tin foil. While well, you make a sandwich, you put yes. it in tin foil and put the, put the iron on the tin foil. One side, and then put turn it over,
3: it over yeah. other side.
5: Toast sandwich.
3: But it won't brown. It will brown. Will it? Yeah. Through the foil. Mm. I asked you earlier on, did you ever burn anything with a toaster? It's on the way. <laughs> it's on the way. The first burn cheese and ham toasty. <laughs> give it a go and tell me how oh, well, you get I'll on. Well, will it. You for the, I, you give I, it a go I and see how you the get iron. on. Can <laughs> Paula says ironing is for an older generation.
5: I don't think so. Not sure I think there's a that. lot of people still that iron everything inside. Yes,
3: well, Mary says she has a friend who ironed our baby's bibs and nappies. Mm-hmm. nappies. What about that
5: nappies? Oh, the cloth nappies must be.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's somebody on to help you with your collars. A starch spray, somebody says there to us, and another one, uh, use hair straighteners. They're great for getting the shirt collars done. I like Louise that. says, "No another excuse listener. for me now." No excuse there not to get them right. Magella, hello. She hates ironing. She washes her clothes, with you. <laughs> puts them out on the horse. Puts them on the horse, the horse. You remember the old horse indoors? Horse. Yeah, yeah, a clothes horse to dry them. If not, she hangs them out or she'd give them a 15 minute spin at worst in the old tumble dryer. Good on you, Magella. Anyway, let's move on to our artist of the week this week. It's you two uh, with me this time round because of Slain. And I remember yesterday I told you with a four year, four album deal secured, you two released their first international single in May 80 called 11 O'Clock tock I remember it but it failed to take any boxes and flopped. They then released the lead single from their debut album that was released in August, A Day Without Me, and it too, to be honest with you, bombed. However, when the album, the album that came from Boy, came out in October, it was critically acclaimed and warmly received. I Will Follow a single from the album made the charts, and their live performances drew praise. However, that slain appearance I mentioned yesterday, it happened yesterday, 40 years ago, has been described subsequently by The Edge as one of their worst ever. How about that? They were all over the shop, to be honest with you, at that stage, touring and trying to put down tracks for their second album. Uh, it was released in October, called October, uh, to mixed reviews. The band were at a crossroads, out of cash, little support from their record label, yet full of ideas and enthusiasm for their next LP, which would be the third. So what they decided to do, they hold up in Holt wrote, rehearsed, recorded, then took time out before completing their third album called War at Windmill Lane Studios, ah yes They released the lead single on January 1st 1983 and New Year's Day set U2 on their way But for today on Late Lunch, from that album, album number 3 here's "You 2 with one of their great anthems You too. And Sunday, bloody Sunday, my Artists of the Week on Late Lunch this week. And more about the boys in words and song tomorrow about this time final break of the afternoon then a quick chat with Michael Brunok. spoke to him last in the spring of 2020 when he was recovering from Covid he's based in New York City but he's home at the moment and we'll hear why in a moment just reminding you tomorrow in late lunch crime writer Paul Williams is with us Rosalind Doherty if you're in difficulty with mortgage arrears with the pandemic payments interest rates she's talking to us as well tomorrow brilliant lady and Shane Holland will be with us talking about the three island current challenge and more besides but we finished. Today with Michael Bronock, singer-songwriter for me, based in New York, home at the moment. Hello, Michael. Hi,
8: Jerry. Can you pa-
3: hear me? Oh, I can hear you loud and clear. Thanks for joining us on the show. Last time you and I spoke, I'll never forget it, you were recovering from COVID and uh, the whole situation in New York was shocking and the future uncertain. How are you?
8: Um, I'm doing very good right now. I, I'm home. I was able to get the PCR test. I'm going back on Thursday. I just got another PCR test to get back on the plane, leave, and so all all good with that. Um, I'd got it in the, as you knew knew Jerry very early, March fifteenth mm. last year, um, and so not not a lot of stuff was known about it. Yeah. So I I actually got I long COVID. I had a kind of a long experience with it. I I tested negative maybe f- four weeks afterwards. Then positive again. Nine weeks later, I got shingles and pneumonia <laughs> and tested positive again and then negative again after maybe 12 weeks mm-hmm. and I f- felt a bit of a difference. But um, you've, you've come across the, that term long COVID. Oh right? yes yes long and you,
3: you've harder. been yeah. through the ringer with it for sure. But you're good again and you're you're working away I know and you're home. You're working with Deirdre Kinahan, who we know
8: well. That's right. Um, so I've done some work with her in the past. We did... Um, I, I've collaborated with her in, we're coming up with music, writing music for her plays, for some of her plays, and um, this time she she's commissioned to write um, a play on the Civil War, uh, Irish Civil War, and I also had some with me, me um, County Council. I got a commission to do some music for the Civil War, and so we we got together this week to see what we could do in common and if we could could uh, come up with some stuff that would go into her play. And it was really nice. It was a great experience to meet her again. She's a real powerhouse, you know, so. She very certainly great, is. Great, she is, yeah. And she's great um, energy and very, she's a very inspiring person to be around. Yes. So I'm and very grateful to work she's with been her
3: through, She's been through challenging times herself recently, just like yourself. So is it promising? Is it looking good, the collaboration?
8: Yes, absolutely. Um, so we would hope that Maybe by March next year, uh, around Paddy's Day, that will be an early date, and then possibly June as a secondary um, option to put a weekend together with a play. And I also do a performance of the new suite of songs from the civ- from the Civil War, so mm. for lots of other stories. So it's so it's like a crossing of, a crossing of um, paths. It's everything I'm doing is not just for the play, but the play is definitely informing some of the songs. So, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Good. So it was really nice that's and, good. and get home and see everybody. Yes.
3: You know? Yes. I'm sure that's the thing to get home after yeah. all this time, just while you're uh, here, just for a moment, because we want to hear uh, this song that you've sent to us. Um, how are things in the big app? A lot of people love to visit there. Is there, is normality returning?
8: I think so. I mean, I, when I look at here, um, I was actually in the North of Ireland also there was a festival up there my friends from Kell's Turn were playing a gig up in, in the Limavady last weekend with mm. with the band called Ash you remember Ash from the back in the day as yes. well so and nobody's wearing masks you know it's like it seems to be quite open up there and New York is a little bit has the same kind of eth- atmosphere at the moment you know a lot, most people have gotten the vax and uh, the bars are open it's just a little slower People are not out as late as they were. Yeah, you don't see quite as many people out, and I think also the transition where people are working—if they're able to work from home now—they tend to try and stay there. You know, like yes. in terms of like computer stuff. Mm. So, it, so, but it does feel like it's coming back to normal. You know.
3: Ah, that's really good to yeah. hear. Now, quickly, because time will be. there's blessing for anyone, what's this song about?
8: Well, this is this is a poem that was written by a lady called Caitlin Johnson, and she's from Australia. And she writes um, a blog. She's a great journalist. She's in the same vein as Glenn Greenwald. I don't know if you've come across him. He's the guy who exposed um, Edward Snowden's revelations. Oh, yes. Um, Just fantastic fringe journalists who really get in and tell the truth about stuff. And so they're uh, very good with things like the Afghan war. Uh, Just, you know, the stuff that was going on with Trump and last year with the Russian... You know that sort of connection yes uh, that was ex- that was shown on media, which turned out to be completely false it's just about it's really good at getting into all the lies that <laughs> that were being told about so, yes so it's, it's it's no wonder that you know with COVID and all that people are suspicious you know and they don't want to mm. you know the, you know there's a sort of hesitancy about the vaccine and 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 we can we can criticize people like that, but you know when you're told enough lies then you maybe you, stop believing the people who are telling them so, so.
3: true michael so true so this <laughs> yeah. let's hear it it's blessing for everyone you put the uh, music to the words of the poem
8: so the poem i adjusted it slightly to turn it into um i turned it into um a song you know like she allowed yes. me to to fluctuate and it's really me expressing her i thought it was a beautiful poem it's like a prayer that anybody could say no matter what religion or even if you're an atheist it sort of makes sense and i i um it's probably one of the best Things I've done during the lockdown, anyway, and I'm proud of proud of that one. So,
3: well, here it is, Michael. Let's yeah. hear it. Thank you for joining us. Wish you a safe journey. Great to talk to you again, Jerry. You too, Thank Michael. You. God, to God bless.
4: Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. May all your illusions be shattered beyond your ability to reassemble them. May you learn quickly from your failures and successes. May life treat you how you treat life? May you meet swiftly that which you sow And may all the hidden parts of yourself Enter the light May all your unfelt feelings be felt May you have a crystal clear glimpse Of your own boundlessness May you have a crystal clear glimpse Of your own insignificance And may your inner monologue cease And may you experience stillness May you experience the beauty Of each moment that the public mind eclipses
7: with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk, and Cavan, discover the all-new Renault Traffic at Blackstone Motors and get a five-year warranty and low APR with same-day business finance. Call our van specialist Danny today. See BlackstoneMotors.ie.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,